Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. My name's John. Nice to meet you all. Welcome to Church on the Beach. I had a chance to, one of the things I love to do is I love to swim. Sometimes right out here, ocean swim. This week I actually was swimming in a pool and wearing goggles. How many of you swim and wear goggles? Raise your hand. So you're going to know what it's like to swim and have your goggles fog up. It's kind of a bummer, isn't it? You're swimming along, and then they fog up. And, of course, you spit in the goggles and wiped them to make sure that they wouldn't fog up, but they fogged up anyway. And Anybody else had that experience? How many of you quit swimming because your goggles fogged up? Anybody quits? Rob, you did? Okay, yeah. We'll talk later about that. Yeah, this week that happened to me. I just couldn't quite crack the code on my goggles. And... Uh, I was, I was frustrated, and so what did I do? I stopped, and I spit on them and breathed on them, and, and that's part of the process of swimming. Some, sometimes your goggles are clean and clear, and you see clearly, and then there are other times when you don't see clearly, that they do fog up. And I want to take you to a passage this morning. It's not on your program but it's in the New Testament. It comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it's such a great insight from a man named the Apostle Paul. This is what he says in the, in the great love chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11 through 13. Here's what he says. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, and I thought and I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. And now verse 12, listen to this. He says, now we see things imperfectly as in a cloudy mirror. Let me just say that again. Right now, today, as we live here, we see things imperfectly. We don't see clearly. It's like a cloudy mirror or cloudy swim goggles. But then he says we will see everything with perfect clarity. But then, when's then? Then's after we die in eternity, when we're with God in heaven, he says we're going to be able to look back and see things clearly. Next verse, he says all... He's... God, I need my reading glasses. Doggone it. <laughs> He says, now we see things imperfectly as in a cloudy mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. And then this is how he ends the chapter. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. 
The reason I'm starting this message with that verse is we're going to talk about doubt today. And a lot of times when you think about doubt, it can actually be a train wreck for a person's uh, faith in God. And we think often that doubt is the opposite of faith. But I love Richard Rohr says, the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's control. Think about that. The opposite of faith is not, it's control. I want to be in control of my life. So sometimes we don't surrender. Some of us aren't surrendering, leaning in in a life of faith. It's not because of the doubt. It's because we're not wanting to give up control of our life. We want to be control, in control of everything, every detail. Anne Lamott says it this way. She says the opposite of faith is not doubt. It's certainty. Certainty. I need to know everything completely with absolute certainty. The Christian faith, men and women, a mature Christian faith, we embrace mystery. There is mystery. There are things that we're not going to see or know completely. That's actually a mature Christian faith. As soon as you think you got to know everything with certainty, there are cracks, there are questions that we have to live in the tension of the question in our Christian faith. There's a man that lived in the time of Jesus. He was one of his friends. His name was Thomas. And I want to read his story for you. It's in your program. If you look at the bottom half of the, this says unfinished part three. John chapter 20. Listen to these words. Jesus has been uh, crucified. They saw it. And then he rose again. And it says the Bible teaches that after he rose, he appeared. And here's the story. Listen to this. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on him and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. And now look at the next verse, verse 24. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. Now just to underline that, was not with the others when Jesus came. We'll come back to that. Verse 25, it says, they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, uh-uh, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Verse 26, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. You want to underline that. We'll get back to that too. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here 
and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. In another translation, it says, stop doubting and believe. And you know what Thomas's response was? My Lord and my God. My Lord. Personal. If you have a Bible, circle that word my twice. My Lord and my God. I want to talk about Thomas. I want to talk about you and me and this journey of doubt. Why do people struggle with doubt? Why do we struggle to believe? Three reflections from the life of Thomas. Number one, we've seen or experienced horrific pain and evil and suffering around us in the news. That's what happened to Thomas. He had a front row seat to Jesus, the innocent one, the perfect one, who was unjustly tortured and crucified. He saw it firsthand, front row seat, crucifixion, this man who embodied love. And they took him, and they tortured him, and they butchered him unjustly. It was unfair. And Thomas saw it. And I got to believe that when you see something like this happen to someone you love, it impacts your ability to believe, doesn't it? How can I believe in a God who's good in light of what I have seen? How can I believe in a God who's in control in light of what I have experienced? I'm going to guess there's not a person on this beach today that hasn't had those thoughts. We've seen, we've experienced pain, suffering, evil, and we've doubted. We've asked the tough questions. We've wrestled. And it's a good thing, actually, to wrestle. It's actually a good thing to ask questions. It takes you deeper. It makes you stronger if you can work that through in community. I'm going to just, for those of you that want to, pre I'm reading a book right now. I'm really enjoying it. It's substantive. It, you don't read it in a day. It's called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering by Tim Keller. You might want to write that down. It's really, he, he talks about just the uniqueness of how do we walk with God in the midst of pain and suffering. It's, it's an intellectual uh, read. So, um, I just encourage you to read that if that's part of what your doubt is. Second reason people struggle to believe, to doubt, is because we've seen or experienced major disappointments in our life. That was, again, Thomas. Thomas left everything to follow Jesus. He had this hope, this belief, that Jesus would be this nationalistic ruler, the, the conquering king. And what a disappointment when all of that ended on Good Friday. How can God be good and in control and let this happen? Maybe you've prayed prayers for years and God never answered those prayers the way you wanted to. Maybe you've been wanting a baby for years and praying and this infertility thing. And it's like, God, you can do this if you're good. If you're all, all, all powerful and all loving, you will do this. And then he doesn't. And you sit with that disappointment and you wonder, is God real? Then why isn't he doing something? You prayed for healing for a child and that child died. Major disappointment. And Thomas experienced that major disappointment. I've experienced that major disappointment. You probably have too. 
I got another book for you. For those of you that are like overachievers, this book changed my life. Philip Yancey wrote a book titled Disappointment with God. Disappointment with God. Oh my gosh, that's a great read. Write that down if that's your struggle. Here's the third reason that we see in Thomas's life of why he struggled to believe after Jesus was crucified. It's that we have heard Jesus explained, but we have not experienced his love firsthand. Did you notice in this story, the other disciples, verse 25, they came to Thomas and they explained to him, we've seen the Lord. Thomas, you should have been with us, man. He showed up. He, he came and he stood among us. He's risen from the dead. But Thomas wasn't there. They were explaining it to him, but he needed to experience it for himself. And there are some of you that, logical explanation it's just not enough you grew up in sunday school you've been going to church most of your life and 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 you kind of you know how to explain it you could quote john 3:16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for god so loved the world you you could recite it but you've not experienced it you have the logical bible quote but Maybe nobody even knows this, but you know, you're going, but I've never really experienced the favor, the love, the mercy, the generosity of God in my life. I've never really experienced his presence in my life. I can explain it. I have the right doctrine. And I think because of that, God has to open your eyes. I'm not going to do it here. God does that. God shows you the marks in his hands. That's what he did for Thomas. He shows him the, the hole in his side where he was pierced, right? And I just want to say, there's somebody on this beach. You have that up here, that head knowledge. You, like I said, maybe you've been to church a lot. You've been to catechism. You got the right doctrine, but you're, you're sitting here today and you're saying, even though I can explain God logically, I want to experience or I actually want to experience his love. And that's what happens here. God shows up for Thomas, and I believe that God will show up for you. And so let me, let me I, I want to just now shift this message, and I want us to look at it through a different lens, through the lens of Jesus. How did Jesus disciple Thomas through his doubts? How did Jesus walk alongside Thomas? And he walks alongside you and me through our doubts. Before I jump into that, let me do say this. The biggest mistake Thomas makes in verse 24, he's struggling with doubt, and what does he do? It says that he wasn't with the disciples when Jesus showed up. Did you notice that's the part I said to underline? He wasn't with them. What happened? Why was he not with the others when Jesus came? The Bible doesn't tell us why. We're not told why he was not. Maybe he felt unworthy. Maybe he felt like a hypocrite. Maybe he just didn't want to. Maybe his kids had a soccer game and he just wasn't around. I don't know why. Maybe he didn't feel safe with the other disciples to say, I'm struggling. I'm not sure I'm buying this stuff about Jesus. We don't know why he disconnected. But here's, I think, a life lesson. When we struggle with doubt, 
It's tempting to pull away. It's tempting to disconnect from community. To think, I, I, I'm not worthy to stay in my small... I'm not going to go to church anymore until I figure this out. And then once I figure it out, then I'll come back. That's the way a lot of us operate. We think, I'm not, I can't go to church because I don't know if I believe this stuff. What we learn here is that it was the power of community. It's God showed up in the person of Jesus once he was back with those disciples, he showed up. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I have a friend. I'm a part of a pastor's roundtable. Some of you know that. I meet with seven, eight pastors once a year. We've been doing it for about 15 years. And about eight or nine years ago, I think, there was one of the pastors in our group. He showed up. We're together for five days. This is a pastor. He preaches. He speaks every Sunday. He came to our group and he said, I don't know if I believe this stuff anymore. We kicked him out of the group. No, we didn't. We not, that's not what you do when people doubt. We said, well, let's talk about it. What's going on? What is it that you're not buying? What is it that you're struggling with? And I think that's one of the, the problems in churches today. Sometimes it's like we say, yeah, you're, you're kicked out unless you believe. But that's, that's not the heart of God. We're going to learn here. Watch how Jesus responds to Thomas. And that's how he responds to you in your doubts. And that's how we are called to respond to each other in these seasons of doubt. Here we go. Number one, Jesus disciples, Tom, disciples Thomas not through guilt, but by grace, through grace. He comes, he stands, he says, peace be with you. Notice that he doesn't say, hey, Thomas, get over here. We have uh, we got a tough conversation I got to have with you before I meet with the rest of the disciples. You, you weren't around last week when I showed up, and I need to speak a harsh word into your life. He doesn't do that. What does he do? It says he came back a second time. Why did Jesus come back eight days later? I believe he came back because he didn't want to leave Thomas behind. And he doesn't want to move on without you either or me. When we doubt, Jesus doesn't cast us out. He doesn't say, I'm done with you. You're not worthy. He comes back and he keeps coming back. He keeps speaking. He keeps showing up in your life and in my life because he doesn't want to leave us or move on without us. And that's my prayer even right here on the beach that you'll experience that truth about God. For some of you, you might be going, I'm in that season of doubt, but you're here, and that's a good thing. And what you need to hear this morning is that Jesus is reaching out to you again and again and again. He will not give up on you or on me. Here's the second thing we learn. Jesus disciples Thomas not only uh, through guilt but grace, but also he doesn't avoid... He doesn't avoid the questions. He addresses the questions specifically. Thomas says, unless I what? Put my, put my, unless I do. And I love this part of the story. I learned this insight from uh, Earl Palmer. Some of you know Earl. Look at verse 25. Thomas said, I'll never believe unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails. Place my finger into the marks of those nails and place my hand into his side. And again, it's just so... It's just so interesting to me that Jesus doesn't respond, hey, Thomas, there's no room for doubters in, in my small group of disciples. Sorry, dude, go get your act together. When you figure it out, you come back, and I'll let you in. 
That's not what happens. Notice what Jesus does. He does quite the opposite. Thomas, you said you wouldn't believe unless there was overwhelming evidence. Okay, here we are. Put your hand right here. Put your hand right here. Jesus shows him the evidence, and there is evidence. Here's what I would say to you that doubt. What's holding you back? Be, here's the word, specific. Thomas was specific, unless I see and touch. And I think sometimes some of us, we hide behind our doubts, if we're honest. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't buy that stuff. Why not? Uh, it's, just, it's tomfoolery. It's just kind of a, it's, it, 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 it's just a myth. It's just a fairy tale. Well, what is it about it that, you, that, that brought you to that conclusion? I don't know. It's just, I would say to you, if that's where you're at, be specific. What is it? Is it, I don't believe in the authority of the Bible. I don't believe the Bible's inspired by God. I don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. I don't, what is it that you don't believe? Be specific and then lean in. Cry out to God and say, God, I need you to show me this. Come to church and say, I, I need help with, with the evidence. I need some compelling evidence because I'm really struggling with doubting about this part of my faith. You know, the Christian faith, it's not a blind leap in the dark. It's based on compelling evidence. And if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to do the reading, if you're willing to engage in substantive con conversations, God will show up for you like he showed up for Thomas. Give you a couple more books. I want to just say, if you're, you're in a place of doubt, don't isolate, don't disconnect, but stay connected in community. Stay engaged in conversation and get specific about what's holding you back. Two books. I think Tim Keller actually is the best writer on this topic. He wrote two books that I think are, are amazing. One is Reason for God. And the second one is Making Sense of God, An Invitation to the Skeptical. Both great books and great books to read with others. I know that, Rob, you've read these books with others. And, you know, being part of that conversation, a safe place where you can talk about your doubts, is really important for all of us, whether you're a believer or not. Okay, here we go. Let me just let me wrap this up with uh, the third point. Third reflection, Jesus disciples Thomas not by comforting him on the fence, but by calling him to a new beginning. Verse 27, there's a kind of command here, a charge. Stop doubting and believe. There comes a point. There comes a point when you have the evidence, where you've read the books, and, and God does show up, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not. And, and some of us, we just are comfortable sitting on the fence, kind of even maybe just hiding on the fence. And I think what I see here is there does come a point where Jesus calls us out. He says, stop doubting. I've, I'm standing here giving you the evidence right here in front of you. I'm alive, Thomas. Stop doubting and believe. It's time to stop making excuses. It's time to say, yes, I want to follow you, Jesus. Yes, I believe. And I don't know who this is for this morning. I, I don't know who this is for, but as I was writing this this week, I thought, you know, there's going to be somebody on the beach who's also on the fence. There's some of you that are sitting here. You're, just, you're on the fence. You've been on the fence. 
yeah, you know, I do the church thing, but I'm, I'm not all in. I haven't said yes to Christ. Yes, I believe in God, but I'm not following him. I can explain it, but I haven't experienced him, and I'm, I'm ready to do that. And that's what this message is about this morning. I'm going to ask you to ask yourself this question. Where are you at with God this morning? If you were to say on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 is, I don't even know if I believe this stuff. 10 is, I have a close personal relationship with the living. Where are you at on that spectrum? What number would you give yourself? 0 to 10. And then the second question is, where do you want to be? Where do you want to be? Yeah, I don't need God in my life. Or, gosh, I've tried to fill that God-shaped hole in my heart, and, and those desires are not being fulfilled. It's because we were made by God and for God. Where are you at? Where do you want to be? And then that third question is, what's keeping you from getting there? Thomas said, what's keeping me is I need the evidence, and Jesus showed up for him. And his response was, my Lord and my God. Not the Lord, the God, not something out there, my, personal, my, my. Thomas made it personal. He crossed the line from, yeah, Jesus, I think I know who you are, to you are my Lord and my God. I'm going to close this in prayer. I've given you something to think about this morning. For others of you, you're at a place right now where you're like, oh my gosh, God's stirring something in my heart. This passage, I'm like Thomas, and I'm, I'm ready to say my. So here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to stand up. I'm going to close this in prayer, but we're going to, we're going to say a prayer all together. Whether you're still thinking about it or you've been a person of faith most of your life. Remember the words of Paul that I started this message out with. We, for now, we see things like a foggy mirror. We see things imperfectly. You're never, ever, ever going to have this kind of certainty. Having doubts helps strengthen your faith. And so just where you are, we're going to do this out loud. You, again, if you don't want to do it out loud, there's no pressure to do that. But I think it's important to affirm our faith, whether, like I said, I've been following Christ for over 40 years, but it's important for me to say it out loud. And, and, and maybe for some of you, you're like, I'm ready, I'm ready to cross the line and say, I, I want to follow Christ. So pray with me this out loud. Good and gracious God, thank you that your love is unfailing. Thank you that there's room for me to doubt, to ask tough questions, and to embrace the mystery of who you are. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. He's the visible image of the invisible God. And today, I say yes to Jesus. I receive his forgiveness. And I want to experience his love. I want a new life. And I receive the new life that you want to give 
to me right here, right now. Pray this in the name of Jesus, the life giver. Amen. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app. 